VoiceOver describes what's happening on your iPhone screen. VoiceOver on settings. So you can navigate it just by listening. Books, contacts, calendar, double tap to open. Breakfast with Anna from 10 to 11. And get on with your day. Accessibility. There's more to iPhone. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello and welcome to Danny in the Valley, your weekly dispatch from behind the scenes and inside the minds of the top people in tech. Thank you for tuning in. Before we get to today's show, I just want to say thanks. This past week, we just passed 300 five-star reviews in the US and UK Apple podcast stores, which is pretty awesome. Uh, And I just wanted to read a couple uh, to, you know, Give the love back. Give a couple of shouts out and just to say thanks. So um, here's one. Monster Maniac 2938 says, Danny sounds just like Don Draper. Hear about the future from the man of the 60s. It's a five-star review. If only I looked like Don Draper, but alas. I will definitely print that one out for the scrapbook, though, so thank you. Another one, Jesse, Jesse J., says, well curated, super insightful. Make sure to add this to your preferred list of tech podcasts. Danny, awesome job. Jesse J, right back at you. Anyhow, there's lots more. I don't want to take up too much of your time doing that, so I will refrain. But I just want to say thank you again. I really do appreciate it. Reviews like that make all the late nights and endless emails tracking down guests and uh, and the editing and everything else. It all makes it uh, worth it. So please um, keep spreading the word. And if you haven't done a review yet, Take a few seconds, do it right now. It really does help. One other thing, last week's episode with Naveen Jain generated a, actually a fair, bout of, a fair bit of response, especially around what he's doing with Viome, which is this company that analyzes the microbes in your gut and tells you what you should eat, what you should not eat, what you should avoid, what kind of everyday foods could be kind of poisonous for you, which ones you should really eat lots of and um, all the apparently miraculous results that doing so generates. So he made some pretty bold claims, and there are plenty of testimonials on his website to back up what he says, but I'm going to try to track down an expert in the field just to test some of his theories because, frankly, it's beyond my field of expertise, and when it comes to health particularly, I think it's worth interrogating further. So hopefully I can bring that to you in the next couple of weeks or so, so stay tuned for that. And finally... We have a bonus episode this week. It's about fake news. It's about Russia. It's really interesting. And it's in your feed. So check that out after you listen to this one. Now, that's it. On to today's show. Yo. Technology. What is it all about? There was like a biggie line that every rapper wanted to be a basketball player and every basketball player wanted to be a rapper. Now, every, every athlete and actor wants to be an investor and every investor wants to hang out with rappers and be backstage at the thing and you know it's like it's like a little colloquial but it's true this week i'm throwing you a curveball our guest is mick batiski 
I think I said that right, who is not your typical Danny in the Valley guest, because Mick is a DJ. In fact, he's the chosen DJ of Big Tech. He does all the big events for Twitter, he does stuff for Yahoo, or when Yahoo still existed, Instagram, and recent Horowitz. He used to do the private parties for LeBron James, who obviously is not a techie, but he's LeBron James. The list goes on. So you're probably thinking like, okay, cool, so why is he on your show? He's also an angel investor. And what's really interesting is he's become that by leveraging his ability to get into the same room with, you know, the kind of the great and the good of this world and turn that to his advantage. Uh, And he also sits at what I think is a really interesting intersection between culture and media and tech, which are all coming together in super interesting ways and really kind of turning things upside down, obviously streaming being but one example. And like most people on his sh- on this show, he has a really interesting backstory. So I think you'll enjoy the conversation and at the very least, you'll get a kick out of a few of his stories. And there may be some nuggets in there for you to take away. And I'll give you one right now, which is don't call him Mick Boogie. But I'll let him explain why. Anyhow, without further ado, here is Mick. Enjoy. I grew up in Ohio, uh, in the middle. My of, wife is from Ohio. Oh, really? Where? Cleveland. Okay, okay. So that's where I grew up. I was born an hour south of Cleveland. Went to college in Cleveland. I played drums and played piano in high school. Couldn't move into a dorm room with uh, drums. I kind of taught myself how to DJ the summer between high school uh, senior year and freshman year of college because. If you could drum, you could DJ. It's the same lateral skill. You see that with like Questlove and all those sort of people. It's a, it's a transferable skill. It doesn't go the other way. You can't go from DJing to drumming instantly, but you can really easily go from drumming to DJing instantly. Because it's about matching yeah. beats. Yeah. So I taught myself how to do that, moved into college, went from being the dorkiest kid in my high school to the coolest kid in my dorm in the span of three months because I taught myself the skill. Keep in mind, this is pre-internet. This is pre, this is 96. So there was no, like, I couldn't go on YouTube and watch so videos. So I think we might be like the exact same age. I'm, I turned 40 this year. I'm, I'm 41. So okay. Close. But we're also like ball guys with stubble and I didn't wear my glasses today. We could, and amazingly we, good looking, of course. Amazingly good looking with amazing families. So yeah. there's that. Um, <laughs> so yeah, so that was kind of what happened. I did it to make friends in college and I just loved music. Uh, then I went to grad school in Cleveland and I didn't want to take out loans. And I just said, I'm just going to just TJ my ass off on Cleveland and do everything I can. Just stack all this money. When I say stack all this money, I'm talking like hundreds of dollars. I'm yeah, not yeah, talking yeah. Like, <laughs> like, real, like real money. Just so I don't have to take on any loans. That was my goal. Like, can I go to grad school? Can I get an MBA and not have any loans? That was like, that was the goal of my life at that point. I, I was able to do that. A couple interesting things happened during that process. I was in school getting this So you MBA. paid your way through school I, by DJ? I did. I paid my way. Well, yeah. Undergrad, I had some scholarships, thankfully. Right. But like, yeah, grad school, 100% uh, through DJing. Two interesting things happened in that process that set the tone for how I view my entire life. One was like when I finished all that, this was in 2005, I just kind of was slow with it because I was paying myself. I realized that I, holy crap, I paid for my whole grad school with DJing. Like, that's really cool. Maybe there's something to this. Maybe it's not just a part-time job I'm using to pay for it. Like how many people could say they took a hobby and paid for grad school with it? So I kind of had that on one side of my mind. Like maybe I should explore this a little bit more because maybe it's going better than I think it is. I was thinking of it as a means to an end, but maybe that was actually the means, right? Right. And the other thing was, in grad school, the professor actually told me that what I was doing was not legit and that there's no way I could be creative and in business at the same time. Now, keep in mind, this is the middle of last decade, pre 
social pre like right. all that stuff was just bubbling in somebody's garage out here and it, they just literally said this to me in front of the whole class ironically i'm going back there next month to speak and i'm referencing this entire thing <laughs> to them right and i and i doubled my fee it, literally people in the class wouldn't even talk to me like people wouldn't want me in their group because everybody was just like an insurance salesman or everybody was like a, a medical assistant or all these like whatever you did and, and you were the weird and i was DJ like guy. and i was like the dj guy i always use the example i was like the leper in the bible i was like nobody wanted to walk next to me hold my cloak whatever and so those two thought processes happened at the exact same time they kind of like formulated what my plan was going to be it was going to be like i'm going to take this djing thing and moved i moved to new york and uh just go as far as i can with it because there's obviously something here and the second thing was i'm going to prove that teacher wrong and i'm going to be able to create this like creative entrepreneurial life for myself based on not just who i would have been if i wasn't djing and i just went and just became a John Doe businessman like everybody else in that class and everybody else in every MBA program but I was like I was going to combine both and so then I kind of moved to New York and set my life on this and there's been lots of dips but and lots of mountains too but yeah. it kind of worked out well it's more than worked out hasn't it it's pretty good, it's pretty good. <laughs> so you good. moved to New York and then how do you where is there a moment where things kind of finally click yeah um, there were there were a few moments so when did you move to New York I moved to New York in 2008 Ten years ago, this right summer. as the financial crisis hit, yeah, yeah, it's great. We moved to New York. I had, I had like relatively no money compared to like New York standards. I didn't know that. I thought I was killing it because in, in Cleveland I would have had ten months of runway for right. life, and in New York that was three. Right. So it was very much like sink or swim. Let's figure this out. Or, but I was always like, well, I have a degree. I, maybe I was like m- misthinking this. I have a master's. I can go get a job. Like that probably wouldn't work today. But it, I, in my mind, it gave me the security to go balls to the wall with it. So I moved to New York, just started doing everything I could. I had a bunch of relationships there from other things I had done, leveraged them all, kind of created a, a persona for myself. It wasn't the brand that I have now. My brand right now is, is completely 1000% authentic to who I am at my core. And I love that. And it took me a 10 year span to get there because I had to do everything I had to, could do to keep the lights on while we moved and make sure it worked out. And so I did that for a few years. And then five years into that, I did a massive, massive, massive rebrand of my entire career. This was five years ago. Shifted everything at the risk of potentially losing it all. But it actually worked out for me way, way better. Because what happened was I real, my old DJ name was DJ Mick Boogie. Very, DJ McBoogie. DJ McBoogie. It was a okay. very late 90s hip-hop sounding yes. game. It got me very far. I'm very grateful for that guy. So he, then he was, that first, was, in that first five years yeah. as DJ McBoogie yeah. in New York, yeah. what was like the biggest thing or event that you DJed? What was like the uh, pinnacle I mean, I did a lot of really fun stuff. I mean, I did everything. I had like all the All-Star Weekend parties and I did a lot of Super Bowl parties and I did a, like just like lots of stuff. I started and I started doing stuff in like like some Hollywood stuff, a lot of stuff for like Entertainment Weekly and Hollywood Reporter and all that. But my name was totally pigeonholing me. What happened was as I got into my mid-30s, I started having a midlife crisis, right? And I realized that I don't want to DJ forever. I mean, I do, but like, I don't want to rely on DJing forever, right? Like, it's not sustainable to think I'm going to be 72 years old doing it, but we'll see. And so I started focusing on what's really my core of what it is that I do, right? Like, I solve people's problems creatively. I manage my own career, which is like a day job. It's a double day job, honestly. And then I show up a couple, I only DJ four hours a week, five hours a week, right? Right. And, And I was just like, hmm, why don't I have any damn time? Like, what is going on? We were talking about starting a family. And it was just like, how am I going to do this? And then I realized I was thinking of my life completely wrong. Like, my job is managing my, my life, my brand, all my, all my pursuits. But the DJing is just 
it's the final product of your podcast. It's it's yeah. the newspaper you write for that comes yeah. out. It's not the act. It's all, it's not the um, the end all be all of what I do. This all happened right when um, I was kind of going through the midlife crisis about it. And then I started doing a lot of what I call, I jokingly call smart people stuff, where I was getting asked to be on a lot of panels and talk a lot about my story and my journey, which wasn't nearly as robust as it is today because I was able to make this decision. And I was on a panel. I remember I was in Dumbo in, in Brooklyn, and I forget who else was on a panel, but it was a bunch of his decks, and everybody used their real name. And then they got to me, and they said, uh, DJ McBoogie. And the room laughed, <laughs> right? Right. Because right, it wasn't right. like a music panel. And it yeah, wasn't like yeah. a panel for, like, you know, Grammy weekend or, like, you know, some MTV and VMA thing. It was, like, smart, successful business people. And I was trying to preach these, like, lessons of things, and, and they just laughed. And I, and I was like, this is not good. So I kind of did a whole refocus on my whole life dropped everything I'd done in the past except for I cherry picked out a few things that I wanted to keep from my past that transcended into this new brand. I just realized my name is unique. I could just create a whole company based off of my name, Mick. I could do all my DJing stuff. I could do speaking stuff. I could create like social content stuff for other people. I could do anything I want to do. I started doing angel investing. We can get into all that later too, but like all under like this new kind of like freshened up rebrand of, uh, of my life. And with the minute I did that, like the floodgates started opening because it was just like, who is this guy? We don't have all this baggage. Like before, if you wanted to book me for, I'll give you an example. Like I did a party for Yahoo like a couple years ago when Yahoo was like still a thing. And it, in Davos, at the top of a mountain for um, World uh, Economic Forum. And it was just after the rebrand. They're like, this guy is great. Like, why do we never heard of him? Like, if they would have looked up DJ Mick Boogie and found, found a picture of me in the dorm room with two crates of records at 100 pounds heavier with yeah. a bunch of college kids standing around me and a rap group that I was in in Cleveland, Ohio, I would have not... You were in a rap group? I, was, I, did, I DJ'd for a rap group when I was in Cleveland. Ironically, the, one of the guys is a really acclaimed artist in New York and the other guy is a really acclaimed chef in LA. So like, we all turned out quite well and we're still all friends to this day. Um, <laughs> what was the rap group called? Uh, espionage. Yeah, espionage. It's kind of ironic in today's political climate. Yes, indeed. It's, 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 it's probably could never tell that if we went to Russia. But um, yeah, those guys are great. And it was, it was an amazing time. If they would have saw that, I wouldn't have been on that mountain. None of that would have happened. But because I, I was able to like, kind of like, I, my, my knack for everything in life has always been marketing, creativity, mm. PR. That's what I went to school for. That's what I wanted to do. What I realized, I was like, I have to do that for myself. The minute I did that, all these things started happening. But when you say you rebranded, what is that? I mean, so what does that actually look like? What does that mean? Why, what changed? Um, so Aside many from dropping, mean, dropping the DJ and the boogie. Yeah. Well, I mean, that was, that was huge because what actually what happened was it was almost like attrition for a long-term gain. Like I actually lost some clients. I lost about 20 to 30% of my clients that wanted that guy because I was like the guy for like hip hop stuff or the guy for like sneaker world stuff and all that. And I still get to do that stuff now, thankfully, but everything else kind of opened up. And w what happened was when, when you have a name that's like been successful for, for a long time to a certain niche and, you, and, you, and you're trying to move into a different area, those people don't necessarily want to see you go. And so when you do change and you do, you shift your focus on everything, you know, when you look at now, when you look at my brand, if you obviously you've probably looked at my site, you look at my Instagram, you wouldn't even know that I'm a DJ, honestly. Like, I mean, there's maybe one out of every 10, 20 pictures that have me doing anything DJ related. It's more about, you know, what all, what all my endeavors are and what all my interests are. And I happen to DJ as well. So let's work backwards. So the last thing I saw that you were DJing was the Andreessen Horowitz CEO barbecue, yes. which I didn't even know was a thing. Yeah. And then I saw thing. all these pictures uh, on Instagram. Yeah. And it was like, 
Mark Zuckerberg and Carmelo Anthony and Beyonce's mom uh, and hammer. I think was Kanye there? Kanye was there last year. But this year there was a, um, Puffy was there this year. Yeah, P Diddy was there. Ha- and Hammer's then, been there the last two years. I mean, there's always lot. And there, the crazy thing is, there's a lot of people there that you might not even know who they are, and they're just like they're way cooler than the people that you know who they are. Yeah, there's like legends. Yeah, yeah. And what's great about it is they'll have people like. Fab Five Freddy, who basically is like, without him, there's yeah. no there's no hip hop without Fab Five Freddy. And then you'll see him talking to like this guy that just created this amazing app that they just invested in, and they're having these dialogues and these conversations. So I've been fortunate enough to um, be part of that event for the last two years. They are so m- how do you get involved with something like that? Like, how do you end up like getting getting you know being the DJ for that? For example, um, it's all relationship driven, you know, I mean, it's obviously like there's like a skill level involved as well. And thankfully, but that's kind of just like the baseline of it. Um, for me, my whole life is relationship management. How can I help you? How can we get to know each other better? As I started doing more stuff out here, even at the risk of like losing money to do stuff, I just started making a lot of friends and a lot of really interesting places that we just really mutually aligned on musical levels, on cultural levels, on family levels, on all sorts of things. And those networks and webs expanded, expanded. And then I'd end up becoming good friends with a bunch of people that work at Andreessen. And when they were planning that, they were just like, we're going to tell them to use you because you're like, first of all, you're always out here. You're always doing all this stuff in the, in the tech community. You invest in companies. Like, you're a smart dude. Like, you're, you're part of this community anyways. You should be the guy doing this. Plus, we just like you. And so they, they plugged me, and uh, it was it's just become a really great situation. Was Mark Zuckerberg dancing? You know, I actually didn't even see him because I was in a different part of the room, which is crazy. Right. I would imagine no. <laughs> I would imagine no. But the highlight of it, and it was actually on my Instagram for me, was watching Beyonce's mom dance with Hammer. And uh, they, and I, formerly and I, MC. Formerly MC Hammer. Yeah, see, he did the same thing, right? He was, he was, he was early on it. Yeah. <laughs> if, he, if he just went by ham, we could have really did it, right? But um, it was just really cool, man. It's just like, you know, I, it's something that I don't really talk about or share until they do because it's a very private event. But then you look, like you said, you look on Instagram and there's thousands of pictures of it and it's all over. And um, what it's shown me was that the intersection of culture and the intersection of tech, where, where, where that, like, coincides is is a really great sweet spot to be in well so that's why i think is interesting about where you are yeah is this that is that intersection because it feels like it's becoming there's more and more of it it's so much you're in town for this event tonight which is sounds like it's sports it's culture it's venture capital i would say so many of my events like intersect like that because you know back in the day right it was really interesting they used to have like there was like a biggie line that every rapper wanted to be a basketball player and every basketball player wanted to be a rapper now every every athlete and actor wants to be an investor and every investor wants to hang out with rappers and be backstage at the thing and you know it's like it's like a little colloquial but it's true and so what's what's nice is that that intersection leads to a lot of opportunity and it leads just a lot of creativity and fun Man, you just see so many, so many amazing things. And what I found, which has happened over the last two years, is when I'm doing events for this community, the, the, the Bay Area, the Silicon Valley community, I'm seeing tons of people from the entertainment, music, and sports worlds here at these type of events. And then the flip side of that is if I'm at All-Star Weekend or I'm at Grammy Weekend, I'm still hanging with my same Bay Area friends that are doing all this stuff at that because the worlds are so you know, colluded now. 
and it's only going to continue to happen. And there's a bunch of theories to that. Like I'm actually working on a, a book and as well as launching a podcast on this exact topic where I'm talking to like leaders of business and all different attributes about their cultural influences because there's something to it where you listen to Biggie when you were in high school and he was talking about how he was trying to make it and you were just some kid thinking of ideas and there was an inspirational thing there. There was an inspirational thing about maybe your parents had a hustle when you were in the, when they were in the 40s and 50s and 60s to put food on the table, but your first hustle was working 20 part-time jobs so you can buy some Jordans. You learned your grit through through this culture of uh, all this stuff that's really pop culture now, but at the time it was just more of like an underground aspirational culture. And there's a lot of really interesting stories to be told. Every time I meet anybody in that community and we start talking about it, people am- amaze me with, with, with some of the things that they've said. VoiceOver describes what's happening on your iPhone screen. VoiceOver on settings. So you can navigate it just by listening. Books, contacts, calendar, double tap to open. Breakfast with Anna from 10 to 11. And get on with your day. Accessibility. There's more to iPhone. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. And so was there one in terms of getting into the whole tech world? Because, I mean, especially here, there's always these events, and obviously there's no end of of money to throw at things, so some some are quite lavish and everything else. But is it was there one uh, person or one event that really got you? Kind of was your entree into kind of becoming I don't know the tech DJ. Um, not necessarily one. I would say the first thing that really opened my eyes. Well, I could I have to take this back to tell you the first thing that the, the, the biggest thing that helped my career, both from my exposure perspective as well as from a how I approach a perspective, because that actually led into the um the answer to your question, but both are relevant. About somewhere in the, in the Mick Boogie era, before the Mick era, I got to do a party. I, coming from Cleveland, I used to do all LeBron's parties before I moved. And so when I moved... You used to do all do LeBron's parties? Yeah, in Cleveland, because this was like his first time yeah, at the yeah, Cavs. Yeah, yeah, Because yeah. I did everything in Cleveland. He was like the new guy in Cleveland. He was like the man. And so I got to do all his events in Cleveland. And they ended up having these dinners around the 2010 cusp of the decade where him and Jay-Z would throw these dinners at All-Star. So they would throw these dinners and they would say, hey, you know, um, do you want to, we want you to DJ our, at our event. And I'd be like, all right, cool. I'm like, and I'm thinking, I want to do the party. Like, no, you're not, you, you can't do the party. I'm like, what do you mean I can't do the party? I do all your parties. I do everyone's parties. Like, this is, a, this is in Ohio at the time. You know? He's like, no, you can't do the party. We're going to bring in like, some you know A-level icon guy to do the party, but you can do the dinner. I'm like, I don't want to do the dinner. I want to do the party. So I'm like, I did the dinner. I'm looking around, 
And rather than a party where you're singularly focused on a linear flow of making people dance for two hours while they're yeah. inebriated and no one can talk to you, I'm doing a dinner sitting as close as you and I are sitting to some of the, all some of the biggest people in tech, the biggest people in Hollywood. The biggest so people who's in like finance. at a typical one of these dinners? Um, well, I mean, they, well, they don't, they don't do them anymore. But it's like, yeah, so it would be like those two would be there, obviously. You would have like the Steve Stouts of the world there. You would have... Dick, when he was running Twitter, was there. Uh, you would have, I'm sure there were Facebook people there. There were execs from Chase there. There were execs from major Hollywood studios there. There were rappers. It was Drake when he first came out was there. Young Jeezy when he first came out were there. Some NBA players were there. And they were all mingling together. So you would literally see like the VP of like, I'm making this up, like Disney talking to like Drake, right. talking to like some guy that would just happen to like, you know, be on an all-star team that year. And it was fascinating watching all this. But what was really cool I had never DJed anything like that. I was the guy, I was spoiled. I would show up at one in the morning when the party was at its peak and their opener would be on and I'd be like, all right, cool, my turn. I'd get on, play the hottest 20 records in the world, make everybody really happy. Be like, eh, time to go to bed. And let the closer finish and I would leave. So I was very streamlined, very fortunate yeah. to be able to do that. There was not a lot of creativity that was going into what I was doing at that point. I was just going in, making people very happy, leaving. Looking at this scenario was completely different and it made me rethink everything because I'm like, how do I connect with people from all walks of life? How do I connect with people from all different backgrounds, all different careers, all different ages with, with music? And not only that, but they're not drunk. They're not trying to talk to girls. They're not trying to dance. They're trying to actually vibe and enjoy conversations. So how can I, what can I do to make their experience better as well as make them notice me? So that's kind of what I did. So I would look over there and I would say, oh, there's a, there's a CEO from this company. What, what, what are they working on right now? Oh, this movie just came out. Okay, cool. Let me go find something from a soundtrack from the recent movie. Okay, there's Jay-Z over there. Uh, I know he doesn't want to hear his own music at dinner. But, you know, the Blueprint had some of the best samples in the history of hip-hop. Let me go find whatever soul thing they chopped up some, uh, and, and, and play that. And all, all these things, like, really happened. You know, there was a time where they did this two I did that maybe four years. And there was one when Drake was there, and I played some demo of his. He did with a group that he, no, nobody even knows anymore. And he, I, he turned around, and he, like, looked, and he was like, yeah. And I was like, you know, those sort of connectivity moments happen. And so... I did that for four years, and I and what I learned from that the was LeBron Jay Z. Yeah, I, they did that for a few years, and I, I was fortunate to do all those dinners, and it just I just met so many amazing people. But mostly, it it taught me that you can affect people in so many different ways creatively by just how I curate what's already in my mind, but how can you know I can make their experiences so much better, make them notice me, and help them kind of create a a better vibe and a better platform for them to, to do what they do. So that happened. I made a lot of friends from those rooms. Um, and that kind of like leads into your question as far as how I got into the tech world. I think my biggest entry into that happened. A friend of mine, uh, he was at Twitter, Ross Hoffman. He's now at Headspace. Genius guy. Genius guy. Oh, yeah. I do, we, and, Headspace was on this podcast. Yeah. Ro yeah. Ross is great. And so Ross was at one of those dinners. And I don't think I've ever told the story before. Ross was at one of those dinners and he came up to me. And he was just like, hey, man, I'm, this is great. Can you send me this playlist? And I was like, of course, you know. So he gives me his card. And this is like when Twitter was just really hitting that peak of like, oh, my God, everybody wants Twitter. And I had never done anything for a company like that. I'm only a couple years removed from Ohio, still right. in the McBoogie era. I'm still, I, I want to get over it to decide, and I don't know how. So I don't look at the card because it's bad form. Someone gives you the card. You can't be like, you know, I put yeah. it in my pocket. But I remember, and I don't know, I never told Russ this. Like if I, if I go back to the hotel, and then I finally, and I bump it, taking out stuff out of my pocket, and I saw the card, I was like, oh, my God, this is amazing. Like, like this is exactly what I wanted. what was he yeah. doing at Twitter at the time? Um, I'm not even sure. Just yeah. I, I, I mean, he's just like an I executive at Twitter. 
I think he was something in, in like a, running a bunch of sales stuff. Right. Like, I mean, he's a genius, but I felt, I've, I honestly felt like I hit the lottery, which was really funny, but I was just really excited because I wanted to connect with those sort of companies. And I, at the time I didn't know how. And so, uh, him and I got cool. And then, uh, he brought me into that ecosystem of doing stuff for them. I've literally done every single event for them globally for the last right, five years. Twitter. Yeah. To the point where it's just like, uh, I mean, they joke that I should have a badge at this point, but I mean, if it's, whether it's Barcelona or it's Cannes or it's here or it's New York or it's LA, it doesn't matter. But what's been amazing with that and several other of those instances have happened along the way. What, what's enabled me to really flourish is I don't want to just like DJ your party, right? I want to know you guys. I want to be part of, of the process and be, be part of the team because truthfully, if I wasn't DJing, I would be working there or I would have started that or I would have been something alongside of that. That's how my mind works. That's where my career was going. That's where my focus is. This just happened to work out for me. So I think what happens is why I've really been able to like flourish in this, in this community is when I, when I actually meet these people, they're very pleasantly surprised to realize I'm just like them. Right. Right. And so it's kind of cool because it's almost like there's this funny meme that's always like you see it on Twitter all the time or in Instagram where it's like there's the two Spider-Mans pointing at each other and they're like looking at each other and they don't know like which one's like the real one. And that's kind of like the experience that I've had with 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 a, lo a lot of these companies, because in my mind, when I'm having a bad day, I'm like, man, I should have never did this. I just I really want to be those guys. And in their mind, they are like, man, I wish I would have followed my passion and, my, and did right. what I want. And so we look at each other and we see like two sides of the same coin, right? And so that's really been an amazing um, like linchpin to my success because we've just have created super, super humane relationships where everybody helps each other, everybody wins, everybody hangs out way outside of this and just, we do cool stuff. You know, whether it could be angel deal flow, whether it could be you should just know this person, whether it can be our kids know each other, you know, stuff like right. that. It's just very, it's very human. And I didn't think it would get like that. I didn't think it would be like that at this point. I thought it'd be very transactional. I'm lucky because I manage myself, so I'm able to facilitate those relationships. If I had yeah. somebody sitting up like in an office building, like managing all this stuff, I wouldn't, I would show up and leave. But that's not the secret for me. My secret is the relationship side. The music yeah. is whatever. And is it, so are you particularly close with anybody in this world? I don't know, like a, a Jack Dorsey or somebody like that? Adam Bain and I are good friends. He's an icon. He's a very aspirational gentleman. Right. Uh, uh, I, I admire his, his, uh, his life <laughs> and, and his, his demeanor. He has yeah. looked so calm. You know, the reason I, I say Adam is because I'm launching a, a podcast kind of on that whole intersection of what I was talking about, and he's the, he's the first guest. So people are going to hear that you. shortly anyways, and it's called The Business of Culture. Um, so it'll hopefully be out by the time this comes out that season of it. But we talk about really a lot of what we, we just talked about. And we kind of talk about how, you know, it's actually interesting. The other part of the Twitter story was, so that got me in. And then the first time I went to, um, DJ an event for them, it was out here. It was five years ago this summer. They were like, ah, Adam wants to meet you. And I was like, oh crap. Okay. I got him. He was like, you know, second in command or whatever. And I really was like, what is he going to say? Is it going to be like these micromanaging, like mean clients? Like, you can't do this, you can't do this, you can't do this. And he was like, I heard that uh, we, have, we have the same musical taste. And I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, I heard we both love Tribe Called Quest. And I was like, I'm like, I know I love Tribe Called Quest. Like, I didn't know you love Tribe Called Quest because you're like a big deal, Silicon Valley. Like, you're supposed to like Leonard Skinner and like, like you know, <laughs> all this Donald Trump music. And he's like, man, if there was like no Tribe Called Quest, there would be no me. And I was like, what? And we were standing outside the event space. It was down on like on the other side of market over here. And um, we were talking. We talked. We were supposed to talk for like two minutes. We talked for like 20 minutes. And I literally, I think I started my set late. 
right. because, because we were talking so much about music that inspired us. And I was, my, I was so inspired and I was mind blown that like, I didn't realize that the culture had permeated to those levels of, of corporate hierarchy. Right now, obviously it's different here than it would be like at like the woman that just left Pepsi. I can't imagine she's sitting there like, man, my favorite Tupac album was that's right. not happening. Right. But like over here it is. And so I got on stage and it changed my whole perspective of what I was going to play because I would have played very conservative and very safe. And I got on and just played like four Tribe Called Quest records. I was like, it's good enough for me and Adam. It's good enough for everybody, right? Right. And uh, it, was, it was really cool to see that. And so how do you go from being the DJ to actually being an investor? Because you do angel investing now yeah, too, right? Yeah, yeah, I do a lot of that. Um, same thing, relationships, right? So people come to me. I mean, I can't even imagine like what, what like real investors get because I get so much stuff every day that's just like, why are you sending me this? It's funny. It's almost like DJing, right? It's almost like putting together, putting together a portfolio is almost like putting together a really good mixtape, right? When I was at the peak of my DJ, the Mick Boogie era, I was doing a lot of mixtapes. So all the labels would send me exclusives and songs and freestyles and stuff that never came out and they'd say, hey, this is, here's 30 songs. Do what you, curate this how you want, make it, put it through your vision and, and, and give us back the best version of this. So it's kind of funny looking at angel investments, very similar. It's, it's a lot of songs that are never going to make the album. It's a lot of songs that should never have been made in the first place. There's a couple songs that are good album tracks and then there's a couple singles. And so that's what you're looking for, right? You're looking for like singles. you're looking for singles. You're looking for like, uh, uh, you know, and, well, really you're looking for like the Grammy award winners, but I haven't found those yet, but I got some singles and I got some album tracks and I haven't thankfully had the album song to got cut yet. Right. So, right. you know, right, but right. that's kind of like, I just realized how my mind works musically. I, I, it's like the, the creativity and the, the process of it, I can apply it to different things. So that stuff started coming in, started making friends with a lot of guys in venture. I started getting some interesting deal flow from that. Um, the more I put it out there, it's really fascinating how many things come to me. And, so what have you invested in? Um, I've invested in, I think, six things. The first company uh, is a company based in Portland. They do really cool experiential VR stuff. They're called Dot Dot Dash. Um, they work with everybody from Complex to Hyundai to Nike to Adidas and do all sorts of amazing things. I'm part of a, a travel um, curated app based in Austin called Localer. I invested in Wink, which is a really dope the wine. The wine. The wine club. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're very great. I drink way more wine now. I've always loved wine. Now I feel like I have to I tell myself it's for the good of the exactly I, I you're, my just, wife, like, we you're just helping your investment we have to drink this wine and my, my kid sees it and he's like coffee and i'm like yeah that's coffee <laughs> that is coffee my friend you cannot have coffee till you're 21 um my favorite one is and we talked about it a little off, off camera anchor uh which has made a really interesting shift into podcasting and they're uh they're pretty fantastic Barber Surgeons Guild is a company in LA that's doing stuff for guys like us who need who have hair issues. Yeah. <laughs> They're doing some really cool things for that. And um, actually, LeBron just filmed the first episode of his show, The Shop, at our location in LA, which is really cool. So that, that's been very good and very beneficial right. for our brand. Kind of ties everything together. Ironically, it didn't happen by design, but it's just I love how the world works that way. And I just invested in something else that I can't talk about, but it's a, it's a really amazing... Um, it's kind of like if you could take the... Um, away luggage kind of model and you apply it to something home related it's going to be very definitive for that but i'm so confused yeah that that was intentional (laughs) that was that was was intentional that was very intentional i was in london for 13 years and i came back you're lucky yeah and uh, so i grew up here and i came back and a lot of things had changed and this whole new technology boom had really taken hold etc and i was went to an event and it was kind of this just such an interesting kind of glimpse into this world and how it is now i went to a data storage company's event which is as boring as it sounds 
but they had but the they had a party on the last day of this conference and it was out on one of these docks out here in San Francisco and Snoop Dogg was playing. Mm-hmm. And so you had all these coders dressed in like their kind of, you know, their fleeces. Yeah. And they were the company was handing out fake like plastic bling <laughs> and like blinking dollar signs and all of this stuff. That's not pandering. No, exactly. <laughs> and then Snoop Dogg comes out and he's smoking a big joint, but obviously, but like all the guys are kind of standing around, kind of like, "What is this?" And it was such a it, did they weird. Connect, did it connect with him on it? Like, no. I mean, was it just kind of weird? It was totally. I've seen a lot of events. It was like totally that. awkward. Yeah, I've seen a lot of events where that happens. I was gonna say, so it must be, especially because the crowds out here are often very white, very male, very middle class and very, you know, especially techie minded kind of perhaps less socially switched on. They must be difficult crowds, no? They can be. I mean, first of all, alcohol is an amazing equalizer. So that's a great thing. But however, you know, there's a method to how I play where I can kind of like rein you in with what you want and then kind of take you somewhere else. And then by the end of the night, it's a little bit more progressive and it's a little bit more quote unquote cool, whatever that really means. You know, a lot of times people, but, but, and I will say this, these companies have gotten younger too. So, you know, that might apply to like, like some people who are like, you know, in, in a later phase, but some of these yeah. new hires that are like 22, 23, and this doesn't even have to be just in tech. This could be really in anything. They didn't grow up buying CDs and, and were limited by what they could like and consume. They, you know, when you, were on, when you were on a budget, you probably only liked two genres of music because you couldn't afford to have everything. Now you can have every single genre. Yeah. You can have genres of music that shouldn't even exist. You have all that stuff too. And so it, the, the openness is, is much, more, much more there. Right. But I'll tell you a funny story. I won't tell you the company. And this was actually in New York, but it was for a really big tech company that we all use every day. And they had a party, a holiday party for their New York staff. And they had me do it. And I did it. And in the middle of the party, there were, there were coders dancing. It wasn't a lot of people. It was a small thing. It was like 100 yeah. people. I think one of them had like some epiphany. Yeah. So they started coding in the middle of the party. And really? Yeah. Yeah. They pulled out computers and sat down. Like this is like not my so, normal part. Like, I was going to say, normal so stuff you're like, DJing and yeah. you feel like you're killing it and all of a sudden – well, it wasn't that type. Of, I, I, I have to preface they leave it. it and wasn't sit down that type open their laptops. <laughs> like normally, the parties I do, it's like it's like thousands of people. I'm on the stage. It's like a, yeah. like the one you were describing. This happened to be a smaller, more intimate thing because it was just for a New York branch. There was only like 100 people there, anyways, and I was just doing it because I'd like to work with them. And it was, you know, but so this wouldn't have happened on that level if it was like the right. party you described or like the Twitter parties or like where your party turns thing. into a hackathon. But, yeah, but this one literally did, and I was just like whoa first I was like did I do something wrong and then I actually thought about it I actually did something right because if you think about it that's what they really want to do like they're just built for that like they love doing that right and so obviously whatever I played I put them in a, in so a good enough their, space you, their that, muse. Like, you know we had those alpha waves going man <laughs> they were going like it was just like I, I don't know I'd love to know what I played I should I should I should go play that everywhere and see I, I should get stuck every time I play this song you're gonna you're gonna completely iterate on a completely new thing yeah. yeah it's cool and so those those LeBron dinners is that the most kind of uh, interesting collection of, you know, like people pe- we would know in one room? Or do you get that every week? It's like, is, is there another example? You well, it's like? funny. At that time period, keep in mind, this was seven to ten years ago. At that time, yeah, for sure. I, I would argue to say those are some of the most interesting people in one room in the country at that time. Now I think what we've seen is that culture and business entertainment has kind of like caught up. So you see those things all of the time. I see this sort of synergies happening at 
South by Interactive used to just be like the, the, the nerd stuff and then everybody, the music, they would leave and the music stuff would come in. Now all my old music friends all come in for Interactive and all my Interactive friends, the Interactive parties have better music acts than the music parties. Right. You know, I, so I see that, that sort of stuff happens completely there. Can Lions, which I did, I do like eight parties in six days every year at Can Lions. That's like the, the new Coachella. It's just like you can't go to a party on the beach there without some sort of like A-list example of, of something. And everybody's kind of like interacting. I was on a panel there with, um, with Bonin. We were talking about like branding stuff. And he was telling a story. He did an event the night before for, at that same place uh, party. And he had Wyclef performing. And he said Common was out in the ocean swimming and heard Wyclef performing and like swam to shore and with no shirt on, walked on stage, started freestyling with Wyclef in front of all like these, you know, ad people and all these tech people and all these media people. Okay, and I'm just like thinking, this is crazy. This is like 10 years ago, this would have been just like a bunch of like ad tech dudes like sitting around yeah. drinking. I don't even know if like Rosé was as over the top as it was then. <laughs> and now it's like you have icons and music swimming to shore to yeah. come on stage just to talk to these people. Right. And, and I, the, one of the other thing, things that, because I think you also did like the Overwatch final. Is yeah, that right? yeah, I did. And so great, I did, great people we did a, um, a special kind of pod on Overwatch in particular and how, what they're trying to do that with that. That world is phenomenal. And it's incredible. The, the people who are investing, the owners, the worlds they're coming from, you have gaming, which was, you know, pasty kids in a basement, and now it's like they're making six and seven figures. Still virgins. They're still virgins. Still a lot of still virgins, yes, absolutely, because um, I met a lot of the players. Um, but it's amazing. You have, like, people like Shaquille O'Neal, mm-hmm. tech guys here in San Francisco. You have real estate billionaires. You have, like, Stan Kroenke, who owns Arsenal. Yeah. And it's like all of these worlds kind of coming together, like in esports. It's the same kind of thing. Yeah, it's really interesting. Well, I think it actually also plays the same point to the, the cultural aspect we were talking about. When we grew up, it was sports, video games, music. Yeah. And, and that's kind of like what you see now. It's like the, it's the same thing. So they had me DJing at Barclays for like 20,000 people for like a video game thing in a sports arena because now video game is a sport. But then they had like all like they had Khaled come out and bring out all these amazing artists. And like the whole thing is like DJ Khaled was there. Yeah. But even to go back even further, like I curated video game soundtracks for, for EA Sports, for NBA Live for years. I just, I haven't done the last two, but I did like four of them in a row in, in this decade. Really? Yeah. Because the, the synergy between, again, music and sports and culture is, is always, it's just been continuing to, to grow and grow and grow. Well, that's what's so interesting just on that music point. I think about how we consume music and how when I grew up, it was like you bought an album mm-hmm. and an album was crafted to be listened to in a certain way, you know, tracks one through 10, one through 12, whatever. And a lot of hip hop stuff with the interludes and everything else. Um, the best interludes ever. Yeah. Uh, and now people don't listen to music that way. Mm. It's all singles and it's all, you know, cause it's all via Spotify or Apple music. And it's just like, it's completely changed the way music is consumed. And it's again, that point of the, the kind of melding of technology and culture and the creative arts. Yeah, I mean, it's almost, it's funny, right? It's almost like all these people listen to all this music in order to be inspired to create this technology, which has almost helped disassemble the the way we consume music now. But then that's going to lead to a whole other sense of innovation. And almost if you look at what's happening with vinyl now, with vinyl making its like resurgence, like it's the same kind of thing. It almost becomes a, uh, a aspirational luxury 
to have the time and the mind and the mental headspace to sit down for 45 minutes and listen to something as a cohesive body of work when you're used to listening to something for three minutes and 13 seconds. The other thing I find really fascinating about what you said was it's actually no different than the mind of, of a DJ, right? Because we were trained, when the minute you start, you want to be a DJ, you're, you can tell within 20 seconds of listening to a song if you think it's going to work for an audience. And you could also tell within 20 seconds of playing a song if that audience is reacting to it and if you should keep it on or you should change it I always it feel so bad for DJs when they put on a song and the dance floor dies. Yeah. But then the, it's like almost like they're committed to the song, so they let it play for the rest of the time. Yeah, so you can't, of... you can't do that. You have, you, have, you have to switch that up. But it's fascinating. It's an amazing consumer behavioral study, right? And it's again, this also goes into the example of why what I do applies to everything else I'm doing. I could tell within 20 seconds if this isn't working. So that's actually a challenge to me, right? How do you, how do you fix that and make it even better? How do you pivot? Like, yeah, how do, you, how do you pivot? Yeah, exactly. And, and so that's like when you go there and you see it's not working, you always have to have a couple other like sure shots like ready to go or your mind has to be fast enough to like come up with that on the fly. But I also do think that you should, you should allow yourself the opportunity to make those mistakes. Because yeah. if not, you're just like everybody else. You're just the, you're, you're the top 100 playlist on Spotify, right? It's just like the structure of everything else in life. Like it gets monotone and it gets boring. If you don't have your, 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 your dips, then your highs can't be too high. It's like when people say never let your lows get too low and your highs too high or whatever. Like you have to have those breaks because I'll purposely play three songs in a row that don't, don't make any sense just to make people really like, all right, maybe I should. And then right when I, they get to that point where like, all right, we're going to go get a drink or we're going to go to the yeah. bar or whatever, we're going to go to the bathroom, I'll hit them with something that's like amazing and the impact of it. It's, like, it's, like, it's almost like, okay, I've been married 10 years. W- when I come home after a trip, I'm like very happy to see my wife, right? Because I haven't seen her. But like if, if I like leave the grocery bags out or I like the cat poops on the floor and yeah. the baby's screaming and she's yelling at me and I'm yelling at her, I'm not particularly thrilled to be in the house of that environment because I'm used to it. Yeah, but then when you're gone, you come back, you miss all of that, and so you want to kind of create that same sort of like, you know, flow. You need to go sleep. I need to go to another interview. Thank you very much for taking the time. I really appreciate it. Thank you. This is truly an honor to to be on your podcast. Thanks very much. Cheers. And that's it for another episode. I want to thank Mick for taking the time, really making the time. He had actually come straight from the airport. He'd flown, whatever it was, six hours from New York straight to San Francisco into our office to record the pod, so kudos. Um, And I hope you guys enjoyed it. I know it's a bit different, but I think just a super interesting story and really shows just how these different worlds of entertainment and tech and media are all kind of bleeding together uh, in interesting ways. So hope you enjoyed it. Um, I will be back next week. In the meantime, you can find me, as always in the Sunday Times online at thetimes.co.uk, on Twitter at Danny Fortson. You can email me at danny.fortson at sunday-times.co.uk if you have any questions or concerns or criticisms, whatever it may be. And do check out the feed. Um, We have the bonus uh, pod, which should be there now, which I think you'll also really dig. Until next week, that's all I have. Take it easy. VoiceOver describes what's happening on your iPhone screen. VoiceOver on settings. So you can navigate it just by listening. Books, contacts, calendar, double tap to open. Breakfast with Anna from 10 to 11. And get on with your day. 
Accessibility. There's more to iPhone. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.